0: The end of the 18th century, uh, pretty much the very end, 1799, 1800, there's a story that one of Napoleon's generals, Messina, during the Napoleonic Wars, France is at war with Austria, and Messina shows up at a on the outskirts of an Austrian town with 18,000 soldiers. Now, the town knew he was coming. They knew that Messina... And his army were nearby, and they had already determined we will surrender when he arrives. But he showed up on Sunday morning. And so the bishop of the town uh, said to the leadership, Look, it's Sunday morning. Let's not let the enemy interrupt our worship. So let's go ahead and have church. And uh, then, after we worship the Lord together, then we'll surrender. And uh, the town's leadership said, yeah, okay, that's good. And they rang the church bells of the city, and the citizens uh, came together to worship. Well, the French heard the church bells clanging, and they falsely uh, surmised that the, the town was celebrating the arrival of a relief army, and they were unaware and unprepared for the relief army, and so they withdrew from the city. Joy has that effect in many of our lives. There's sadness, there's heartbreak, there's even depression, and then joy uh, comes to the rescue and forces the enemy to withdraw. Joy is a great tonic for the soul. Joy is great for our bodies too. Well, we're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we're calling it the nine-flavored life. And we're taking this from the Apostle Paul's uh, letter to the churches in Galatian, when he talk, and he says, "The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control." Against such, there's no law. When your life <clears throat> tastes like that, it's it's a good tasting life, and thus our tagline: "The fruit of the spirit tastes." Great, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Everybody wants the fruit of the Spirit. And yet the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God uh, living his life in us and through us. As he He forms in us godly character, uh, we begin to taste like the fruit of the Spirit. And it's awesome. So today we're looking at uh, joy. Every week we're going to look at another um, flavor. There's only one fruit. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit produces one fruit and it has nine flavors. So we're, we're looking at each flavor. Today is the flavor of fruit. And uh, last week was love. Uh, James, Pastor James gave a great message and you can listen online. And if you like to take notes on the back of your bulletin, are the notes. Let me just begin by defining joy. Joy is the feeling we get when we consider ourselves blessed. When, when in a particular moment we're thinking, I'm blessed, I have, my life is good, I've got great circumstances, it is a, that produces a feeling, and that is the feeling of joy. And God has built many sources of joy into His creation. Uh, relationships is a source of joy. You're you're holding your loved one's hand and and you're feeling blessed. You're thinking, ah, "I can't believe I get to be in such a a wonderful relationship with this awesome person. I'm blessed." Woo, joy. And, or you're you know you're with your friends around the table and and you're you're we're with people that you love and you are impressed with and you just think, "I uh, I'm blessed to be." Loved by these people and be in a relationship with these people. Could be achievement. That's another source of joy. You've worked so hard to get that diploma and finally the day comes and you walk across the stage and they hand you diploma and, and you, you're done. You've succeeded. The joy of accomplishment, right? Uh, you finally get the promotion. You finally get the raise. You get into that college you worked so hard for. Uh, you get the, the gold medal. And that always produces a sense of joy. It could be good news, right? Have you ever opened the mail and there is a rebate check you didn't even, you'd forgotten you had applied for? Huh, this is awesome. Or when the governor, Sarah Palin, gives you $1,000 you did not even earn. It was 3000 I only got 1000 It was a lot of money and it was lots of fun. And that was not a political statement. I simply liked the money. It was. Jo- it was, it was lots of joy. Uh, so, or, or, it could be, hey, the the uh, the cancer's it's not cancerous. The tumor's benign, not cancerous. Right? Good news. Unexpected. Ha! I'm so blessed. Uh, or it could just be the beauty of creation. And you see, um, you see a sunrise. You see a sunset. Or you're you're looking at a masterpiece and you're, and you're marveling at it. it. Could be just your own body. You're out flexing your muscles, and uh, you're feeling like, this is awesome. Uh, you're taking a big hike, and yeah, there's just, there are a lot of sources of joy that God has built into the natural world, and he, I think he's honored when we take joy in his creation. And you might have heard uh, that Christians have joy, non-Christians have happiness. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. Uh, I think those are interchangeable. And the fact is, uh, many non-Christians have a lot of joy in their life because they've got a lot of great relationships, they achieve things, they've got, they hear good news and they appreciate beauty. But if your source of joy is limited to the things of this world, your joy is at risk. Because we live in a broken world and sometimes that brokenness intersects our lives and sometimes the good circumstances are bad circumstances. When your joy is limited to the things of this natural world, your joy is at risk. The circumstances will always at some point change. And sometimes those circumstances, uh, the bad circumstances, so bad or last so long that people get to a place where they think, I don't have any joy in my life. Or or the joy is so infrequent and so short-lived and so weak and we call that Depression, right? And people walk around feeling joyless. And that's a terrible place to live. Well, the good news of today is that there is a source of joy that is not dependent upon the circumstances of this world. And it's the joy that we get from our relationship with God. I want to spend a moment Uh, Just just a few moments talking about some of the blessings that we have when we are in a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Six of them. Number one, those in a relationship with God have perpetual access to the sympathetic ear of God. We are told... Give me the verse because I lost my little place here. In Hebrews, For we do not have a high priest... Who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That high priest is Jesus. If you're a Christian, he intercedes for you. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. With confidence. Why? Because we're awesome and we walk the little old lady across the street and we gave some money to the church, and uh, we finally said no to that big temptation? No, because we are united with Christ by faith, and he is our our high priest, and his death pays the penalty for our sin. That's why we have confidence 24-7, seven days a week, 365. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Have you ever needed mercy? Yeah. Have you ever needed grace? And by grace here I think is uh, divine empowerment. Grace can have two meanings, divine empowerment or uh, undeserved favor. Maybe it means both right here, but we need mercy. We need God's help. If you're a Christian, you have the perpetual ear of God who loves you and will give you mercy and help. That's a tremendous source of joy in life. Number two, those in a relationship with God are comforted, counseled, and empowered by God's indwelling spirit. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. The spirit of God, if you're a Christian, indwells you and is crying out, Abba, Father, which means he is affirming your, um, your familial relationship with With God, So you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And the Spirit, the Bible tells us, will comfort us in our time of sorrow. The Spirit of God will counsel us. How many of us, how often do we need counsel? God, help me know the right move. Help me know the wise move. And will empower us to live a a righteous life and, and transform us from the inside out, producing the fruit of the Spirit within us great source of joy. Number three, those in a relationship with God have an eternally significant life purpose. In Matthew chapter 5, 16, Jesus tells us, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Is there a more significant life purpose than to glorify God with your life? My little life can Honor the creator of the universe. And of course, if I'm honoring God, how do you think he feels toward me? (laughs) He's pretty pleased, right? And he's going to bless that kind of a life. We can honor the Lord and we can influence other people so that they can find life in Jesus Christ and have their eternal destinies altered. That's pretty significant. Fourth source of joy. Those in a relationship with God are assured that everything, even their own failures, the sin of others, and the brokenness of this world, is being redeemed by God for their good. Here is a verse you absolutely need to memorize, if you haven't already, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. If you're a Christian, God says, I am working Everything in your life for good. Doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good. Your sin's not good. The sin of other people against you is not good. The brokenness of the world due to sin is not good. But God is weaving together even that stuff into a beautiful tapestry. And at the end of our lives we'll see the tapestry and we will proclaim, God, you are good to me. That is a tremendous source of joy in life when the bad circumstances come. Number five, those in a relationship with God are on the winning side. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24-25. Then comes the end when he, Jesus Christ, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. If you're a Christian, you're on the winning side. When it all, when it's all over, there will be the kingdom of God and of his son Jesus. That's all, the last man standing. And if you're a Christian, you're a A citizen of heaven. You're on the winning side. And it doesn't matter what your current situation looks like. It might might not seem like God is winning in your family. Might not seem like God's winning at your workplace. Or in, in politics of today. But history is unstoppably moving toward this glorious end of Christ's kingdom being all it being done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a great source of joy to the Christian. And then finally, those in a relationship with God have their names written in heaven. Jesus sent the disciples, 60 of his disciples, out uh, two by two. Or was it 72? Ah, anyways, he sent them out two by two. And to preach the gospel, they came back and they were amazed because they'd been casting out demons. And they said to Jesus, man, even the demons have to obey us. And Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan falling from heaven. But then he writes, or then he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you're a Christian... Your name is written in heaven. What does that mean? It means you belong there. You've got a name there. Probably on a mansion somewhere inscribed waiting for you. You have a name written in heaven. You belong there. That's your home. Our real life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. And when our real life is revealed, the Bible says, right? The real me is up there because that's the eternal me. This is just a very temporary, uh, a little blip in my eternal life. And same with yours. And so, hey, that's a tremendous source of joy for the Christian. And so here, I rehearsed that, but here's the point. The point is this. All of those truths that I just rehearsed, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, they're all true of you all the time, no matter of the current circumstance. They're always in play, even when the circumstance of your life is very terrible. Today in the newspaper, um, Dwayne King's son, Dave King, and uh, the Pepperd family, their helicopter went down. Uh, Dwayne King, he was the missionary I served under in Russia. I love Dwayne King. This is his son Dave. Helicopter hop, went down. Greg Balco's uh, neighbor, the the Peppards and the, and their two boys. And as far it looks like three were lost, and uh, one of the Peppered boys um, survived. That's devastating. That is totally tragic. That's grief worthy. And yet, for Dwayne King, and uh, as far as we know, the Peppards as well. In fact, uh, Josh Pepperd was honored the night before the crash at the Priceless um, dinner for his, his work with Priceless. As far as we know, they, they know Jesus. And so, um, for the King family and the Pepperd family, they've got a terrible uh, tragedy going on. But at the same time, all, all that is true in Christ is still true for them. And that makes a difference. And what we focus on makes a difference. uh, Because we have a choice. We have a choice to to focus on the the bad circumstance and become overwhelmed with it. Or to remember what we have in Christ. Paul in Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. This is an amazing statement. Here is Paul, he's saying, "Look, there are present sufferings." And he was fully aware of present sufferings, right? He was shipwrecked, he was hungry, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, and they weren't like modern prisons. They were uh, carved out holes in, in the rock. And then he, but he's also, on the other hand, he's thinking about all that he has in Christ. And he says, you know what, when I weigh the two, I consider what I have in Christ, the glories to be revealed to us in Jesus, far outweigh the present suffering. And that made a difference for him, didn't it? That allowed him what he focused on, what he valued, what he weighted, uh, was what he had in Christ. And as a result, he could say, I have learned in all situations to be content." Paul was able to say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Why? Because nothing ever bad happens to the Christian? No. Bad stuff happens to the Christian. We rejoice because what we have in Christ is absolutely tremendous. It's weighty, and it's, it's not can't not be robbed by bad circumstances. You know, joy is compatible with mourning. And I find this to be a very profound truth. Joy is compatible with mourning. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. And for the Christian, we we can both grieve Uh, the brokenness that's intersecting our lives, we can grieve our own sin, we can grieve the sin of others against us, and at the same time rejoice in the Lord. And I find that this, uh, the coexistence, the possibility of joy and mourning coexisting to be unique to a Christian and to be unbelievably empowering uh, to the Christian. First time I became experientially aware of this, I was about 20 years old. I dated a girl for three and a half years. We'd been through premarriage marriage counseling. Uh, I was convinced she was the one. And so for a year, I'd been praying, uh, oh Lord, I, I would just, this is a great girl. I would love to marry her. Would you please make it possible for me to be with her? And then I would end my prayer with, but of course, you know best and i trust your judgment but just to reiterate i would be really you know well off here with it, with her as yeah and so i then one christmas my whole family went to israel on this awesome trip to israel and i didn't i came to alaska bought a ring and asked her to marry me we didn't get married instead we broke up and uh, I, I was heartbroken, but at the same time, I was filled with joy, and it was, it was odd. I was, uh, I was surprised. I think I was more overwhelmed with, that's weird. Why am I feeling joyful? It's not like I've cooled on the girl, but I just was super confident that God was in control of the situation and that he was answering my prayer. Not the way I anticipated it, but for some reason, God uh, thought that I was better off without her. And because I was choosing to trust the Lord in the midst of that circumstance, I had joy in my heart. And it was pretty awesome. Now, it took me five years to meet Sabrina and then understand what God was doing and why he did it. You know, and when I met her, I did say, ah, okay. But but even in the midst of that tragedy um, I was having joy. And that's, that's an experience Christians will testify to. It's not unique. It is this strange compatibility of joy with mourning. So look, joy in all circumstances is part of our inheritance in Christ. We have a right to joy. Period. But The Christian doesn't always experience joy. None of us do all the time. And and there are reasons why we're not tapping into our inheritance. So let me talk briefly about four uh, joy blockades in the Christian's life. And the first is sin. Can't help but uh, think about David, right? When he said after finally getting around to confessing his uh, adultery with Bathsheba and his orchestration of the murder of Uriah the Hittite, he finally uh, confesses, and he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He'd lost the joy of his salvation because uh, his sin was, was blocking it. He was out of fellowship with God. He was hiding from the Lord, and he wasn't experiencing joy. Uh, second joy blockade is undervaluing what we have in Christ. And I think uh, we do this way too often. We get fixated on the bad circumstance we overvalue the circumstance, and we undervalue uh, what we have in Jesus Christ. Third joy blockade is doubting God's word. Uh, there was a young woman came to me uh, for some counseling, and uh, she was having, she was self-loathing, bottom line, but she was a Christian, and so I, I rehearsed for her some of the glorious truths about who she is in Jesus Christ, her identity. The problem was she would not believe God's testimony about her as much as she believed the voice in her own head. And so the bottom line is, I could not help her, because she was unwilling. she was doubting God's, uh, God's word about her. And then finally, as ignorance of God's Word, God has uh, provided, He has made some incredible promises to the Christian. But if we don't know those promises, we can't benefit from them. Uh, the Bible says that uh, it, we participate in the divine nature through the great and glorious promises of God as we, as we by faith, um, believe them. And so, uh, we've, James did a great job last week talking about the fact that as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit... We are both 100% dependent upon God working in us, and we are 100% dependent. It's both and. Uh, We are, uh, I'm sorry, responsible. We are dependent upon the Lord, and we are responsible. Uh, We have a role to play in the producing of the fruit of the Spirit. And the role as it relates to joy is we make a choice to trust God as he has revealed himself in the Bible. That's our role. We choose to trust God as he's revealed himself in the Bible. We choose to trust his self-revelation, the fact that he's in charge, the fact that he loves us, the fact that he's working all things out for good in our lives, and we choose to uh, trust his great and glorious promises to us. And as we choose to trust God, then joy will follow the, uh, the psalmist once said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Actually, I think he said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I envision him sort of grabbing himself by the collar and, and talking to himself. Maybe it was David. And he's like, David, I know the circumstances in your life are bad, but... God made today and God is in charge. He's on his throne and he loves you and he's got good things for you so you can rejoice today despite dot, dot, dot. I have to do that to myself sometimes, actually quite often. I have to sort of grab myself uh, emotionally and say, Mike, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We've got to stop letting our feelings lead us. And we need to start letting our faith in God lead our feelings. We don't need to be victims. We're in charge. Let our faith be in charge. Don't let your feelings lead your faith, lead your faith, let your faith lead your feelings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We can be filled with joy and love and peace as we choose to trust God day by day, situation by situation. Final point, our joy in the hard times honors God. Your joy honors God, especially your joy in the hard times. Joy in good circumstances pleases God. I don't think it honors God the same way that joy in hard times does because joy in the hard times Declares our belief that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. In order to uh, please God, we must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. When, when, thing, when the circumstances are bad in our lives and we are still uh, experiencing joy, what are we saying? We're saying, I believe that actually I'm still blessed. Because I'm in a relationship with God and everything that I have in Jesus Christ is still at play in my life. And you know what? I don't consider the present difficulties of this age to compare to the weight of what I have uh, in the glory to come. Amy Carmichael was a uh, missionary to India and she was there for many decades The last 20 years of her life, she was bedridden. She had a terrible fall, and she became a convalescent. And she wrote a number of books while bedridden. And in one of her books, she said this. Where the things of God are concerned, acceptance always means the happy choice of mind and heart that he appoints. Because for the present, it's his good and acceptable and perfect will. For 20 years, uh, she had to lie in bed. Do you, this is so profound. Acceptance means always the happy choice of mind and heart that he appoints. As we are surrendering ourselves to God's will for our lives, we choose to be joyful. Joyful. Joy comes through surrender to God and his goodwill and purposes and plan for our lives. So if, would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and um, just spend some time with the Lord? Will you choose joy? If you're a Christian, joy is your inheritance. Maybe the Spirit of God has uh, reminded you Uh, Of what you have in Christ and is challenging you to weigh more uh, to weigh uh, heavier in your mind and your heart uh, what you have in Christ than you have been. Will you choose to trust him and his good plan for your life? Surrender yourself right now to Uh, God's good plan for your life and allow the joy of the Holy Spirit to um, flood your mind and your heart. We do that right now. Let's pray, Lord. uh, We just thank you for your goodness to us and for the truth that we always have many reasons to rejoice in you. Lord, right now we pray for the Peppers. we pray for uh, the, the King families, and Lord, our, our hearts break, we grieve with them. What a terrible tragedy, Lord, uh, and as they mourn uh, the loss of their loved ones, uh, would you just um, give them the, your joy and your peace, um, knowing that their loved ones are with you in heaven? that their bodies are, are no longer going to experience pain and their fellowship with you is perfect. And someday they will be reunited with you forever in the presence of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.